Right. Hello, I had a lovely Paul with me. Hiya, Paul, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Donna. Great. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Paul Gitchum. I am the writer of the DSO Warren Jones series, the latest of which, Time to Kill, came out uh, two weeks ago. So we're still in that honeymoon period. Um, the uh, the series is, is now that's, that's the 12th entry in the series, the eighth full length. I've got four novel, uh, novellas as well and a short story in the uh, latest crime writers anthology, which uh, music of the night, which is just here in the shelf behind me, which is uh, excellent. Uh, not just because it's got my story, but there's some really good stories in there. So well worth checking out. Music of the night, crime writers anthology. Um, anyway, thank you for having me, Donna. And before we start, congratulations on your recent degree. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, it feels, uh, still doesn't quite feel real, actually. But yeah, thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and this is the second time you've been, isn't it? I've spoke to you before. It is. Yes, we spoke about Out of Sight uh, last time when it was re uh, released last year. So you very kindly agreed to have me on again to uh, retread the same old anecdotes for uh, for this year's book. Now, I see you say that, but as we were <laughs> saying just before we started recording, I've had a lot of practice since then. Oh, yeah. And I feel like I've honed my craft some. So I will apologise in advance if I do ask you any questions I've asked. No, you. no, there's more, more a case of me shoehorning your question to an answer that I've already got. <laughs> but yeah, you know what, see, let's just go. You've not given me any preparation, which is brilliant. We're just going to see how it goes, which is what I love. Yep. Well, I, if I can throw Mark Billingham, who's been interviewed God knows how many times, then I think I can throw you as well. So. Okay, challenge accepted. Good stuff. <laughs> We will start off fairly boring um, with, did you always know that you wanted to write? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. 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 Ever since I sort of learned to read, uh, which I was a little slow at doing, actually, because I was lazy. Um, my dad used to uh, used to be every night reading the same old Mr. Men books, you know. And um, my reception primary school teacher um, had this theory that kids would learn when they felt they were ready to learn. Brackets, me and Ian Flood just sat at the back of the class and flicked pencils at each other. I mean, good. <laughs> what the hell are we going to do? Um, and uh, it wasn't until I got to um, the, the next year when the wonderful Mrs. Sefton, who is still with us, um, she's, uh, she, she wasn't having any of that nonsense. And one night, Dad said to me in exasperation, I think he was reading Mr. Chatterbox for the 50 millionth time. For goodness sake, poises, you do realise if you learn to read, you can give yourself a bedtime story whenever you want. It was just light bulb. But why did no one ever say this before? Um, and within a year or so, I'd written, I'd read every book in the school. Um, it was just that sort of push. Uh, handwriting lagged a lot longer behind that, but uh, but no, the reading bit came quickly. And then I kind of realised, hang on a second, I wanted to write stories as well. And I'm, I mean, I don't know when I when I realised that writing stories was fun. I'm guessing we had some sort of activity um, in in class. Um, but I was always very good at making up, up stories, even when I realised I wasn't. I wasn't. So, for example, um, my mum recalls being in the playground one day to pick me up, and all the teachers coming up to her and saying how terrible it was to hear about the fire. And she's like, "What? Sorry, the the, the house fire, the one that burnt your house down, and all of the, oh, you've lost all your stuff and that." 
And I was like, what on earth are you talking about? I said, oh, Paul's been telling everybody about this fire. Well, I hadn't quite made that that connection between what's the news and me thinking I've not done anything interesting this week, so I'll make something up. I hadn't kind of twigged you're not supposed to do that. So uh, I told this amazing story, apparently, about uh, about how the fire brigade came and uh, we had to be rescued. And, uh, yeah, all complete and utter fabrication. And so, uh, yeah, I'm guessing that was one of my first uh, first forays into fiction writing. And then from then on, it was just, it was fun. It was just always the best part of the English lesson was if we did creative writing. Um, and then I kept it going and just sort of, I always had something on the go. Even for a university, they used, I had something. And I look back at them and there's mostly really bad Star Trek fiction, which, because I, I never planned anything, never really got beyond the first massive battle with Romulans. And then it was like, and what now? Um, so, the, yeah, I, I just loved, I loved the writing bit. And it wasn't until, I guess, I, I was uh, about 15 years or so ago, um, I was uh, underemployed, I believe is the technical term, Um and uh, I would I entered NaNoWriMo, you know, the 50,000 words in a month. I knew I wouldn't hit 50,000. I knew that wasn't going to happen. But it, uh, it allowed me to break the back of, of a book I was writing. And it, it was a science fiction one. And I wrote about 30-odd thousand words while sitting behind a receptionist's desk. We didn't care. It was evening shift. As long as I was nice to the customers, I could do what I wanted. And uh, so I... I, I Used to split my time between NaNoWriMo and um, and applying for, for jobs, and um, I continued writing that book on and off for the next few years. And once I left science and became retrained as a science teacher, I realised I needed a hobby of some description. And I thought, and I found um, that a local college was doing creative writing classes. I thought they were always really good fun in school. I just I just wanted a hobby something and I didn't mind having a bit of homework that that was great it was you know and my my tutor uh Daniel Joando who's doing really well at the moment young writing young fiction um she um she used to set me fantastic homework activities and so I continued writing um this sci-fi novel sort of as I would often use it as a as a um as a sort of uh, answer to one of the homework. I mean, I'd never managed to make a, a Shakespearean sonnet out of it, which was one of the homeworks. But often if it was like um, a character description homework, then I'd say I'd take one of the characters from the book. And um, it's fantastic. You really learn your craft. And I did two or three of her courses, including an advanced one where I wrote a, a short story. And it was a Warren Jones short story. And that is... Um, difficult to get hold of at the moment. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of I've rewritten. I'm thinking of re-releasing it at some point. It was in a, just an anthology for a writers' circle that I joined um, about ten years or so ago, and um, you know that that again that that helped hone the craft. And um, then you know eventually I hit on the idea of Warren Jones. About, I think it was. I think I worked it out about eleven years ago when I first started writing that. So I found the. Um, I found the the first Word document, and it had a um, creation date of uh, April 2011, I think it was. So, uh, yeah, I've been writing in there ever since. That was the first book I ever finished. Suddenly, just everything kind of came together, and I realised that's what this is what I should be writing, not um, not the other stuff I tried. Um, not that not that that would I regret doing them. Um, they always say you should you should. Uh, I think someone said it was you should throw away three hundred thousand words before you published, because you 
because you need very few people can come straight out the gates and write. So all of that, you know, that stuff that's littering your hard drive, or in my case, also in brightly coloured textbooks that I uh, exercise books that I pinch from school, um, as a pupil, not teacher, they're all in a drawer which Mum found the other day. Um, all of those sorts of things, they um, they they're practice, and the fact that they'll never be published, never see like they doesn't matter because I'd written probably 300,000 words before I started writing the first book that got published. Um, uh, you know, they always say it's, it's you, you look at a sprinter who's come out of nowhere. No one's ever heard of them. But you think, well, yeah, but for 10 years, they've been at their local running club. Writing's no different. Um, if you were to be picked up and transported into one of your books as a character, mm. which book would you choose? Oh, which book? Oh, tricky, tricky. You see, the problem is, 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 a, um, is Warren has a hard time with it because I don't give him any sleep. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's dealing with some pretty nasty people. And uh, sometimes, sometimes unpleasant, deeply unpleasant things happen to him and his family as well. So, uh, so yeah. Um, I have to say, uh, Out of Sight, which was last year's book, um, that was a nice meaty investigation, and it was it was really interesting to delve into this poor man's background. Basically, it was a, it was a body found underneath a, a bridge, had the teeth smashed and the, and the fingertips cut off. So clearly, trying to make it difficult for the police to um, to identify them. So that was his first obstacle, and I really enjoyed um, delving into that because that was what I call a small story. It only had one um, one victim initially, and that that kind of I got to focus on what the repercussions of, of that on on his um, his circle. Whereas this year's one is um, I haven't done one for a while. It, it's it's a serial killer book, so that's what I call a big book. It doesn't do with length. It's to do with the fact that this book um, hits many many different people because it could be anybody. As the tagline says, you know, who, you know, you don't know when the next person is going to be there. No, it's probably going to be on a Sunday night. That's that's all they have. Um, it could be literally anybody because the victims just don't seem to be related at all. So, um, so that that one is, uh, yeah, this the time to kill. I'm not sure I want to be in that book because uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not nice to him. I'm not nice to him, and it's a very stressful experience for him. <laughs> not to mention, it could be anybody. Um, so you know he could be next. <laughs> and if you were to pick one of your characters to take out for a meal, who would you choose, and what would you ask them? Right. Well, this is interesting because because this this is where it sounds really weird because I've always told everyone how Warren Jones is basically wish fulfillment, and he is a is a thinly veiled version of me. However, when I when crafting him, I also decided he would be. The uh, had to pass what I call the Friday night pint test, which is where he's a sort of bloke you'd quite happily sit and have a pint with. So that's tricky. I'll be having a pint with myself, which has <laughs> happened in the past, but fortunately not <laughs> since I met my wife. Um, now, so yeah. therefore, I'm going to choose a different character. I have a as a character who I, I just I fall in love with. She's fantastic fun to write, called Rachel Pym. Now, Rachel is the officer in the case, which is a role where basically she's in charge of keeping the home's database up to date. She's basically, she's like an information manager. Um, 
and but she's just tremendously good fun to write. Now she's she's an interesting character in that um, she actually has uh, multiple sclerosis, which is why she's an officer in the case. Before her diagnosis, she was um, an active detective sergeant, um, but obviously um, with multiple sclerosis being a uh, progressive um, illness that causes mobility issues, she had to move her career. And I checked with the police, and that I rang. I emailed the Disabled Police Officers Association, basically said, is this possible? Went, yeah, yeah, we've got quite a few um, police officers with, with um, uh, mobility issues and these sorts of conditions. And yes, they, 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 if they wish to stay with the police, we can, you know, they can find a role like that. And I have a former colleague who has multiple sclerosis and I, he reads my books and I, I did go up to him one day and I said, uh, where's your mate? I said, um, I said, I'm having. I'm starting. I'm going to write this this new character. I said, and before I finish it, drop it to be a technical advisor. I was like, well, I was going to ask that, but yes, please. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I had long chats with him. But the reason I want to go out for lunch dinner with her is that she's a laugh. I'm really enjoying writing her. She's she's got a acerbic sense of humour. She quite often says things that uh, are in her head. Um, she hasn't got a, a tremendous filter. Um, she constantly nags Warren about drinking too much caffeine. Um, she has a peculiar penchant for herbal teas, which was based on another colleague who we just look at it and say, Sam, what in God's name is in your mug? And she used to have a glass mug as well. You know, the one so you can see the twigs and leaf matter at the bottom of the mug. And you look at it, you say, dear God, woman, what are you drinking? And you, and you sniff and you go, is that extra strong mints with a, with a hint of 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 woodland and and feces because that's what it appears to be so anyway i just put a lot of this in there and um she's she's great she's really good fun she i wouldn't say she always gets all the best lines but she is funny and she has a really annoying habit and at least annoying to warren of uh, she's a bit like colombo one last thing she'll wait until he's halfway across the office and say oh and there's one more thing and he has to come back um so uh yes tremendously good fun and uh uh yeah she'd be a real laugh go out for a pint with her yeah. Okay, so on the opposite end of the scale, which character gives you most trouble? Oh, right. Okay. Hmm, that's tricky. See, because my most of my characters are actually quite quite nice. They're, there's not they're not they're not especially unpleasant. Um, but um, certainly in the earlier books, his boss, um, DSI Grayson, uh, wasn't wasn't that much fun. Um, basically, he's he's somewhat venal. Um, he's very kind of um career oriented and lazy frankly and um, what he what he would do is warren comes in as a detective chief inspector so he shouldn't be interviewing people and running around and stuff grayson's quite happy to let him do that um and he he's automatically grayson would be appointed as senior investigating officer and he immediately delegate that to warren and that's fine from warren's point of view because he gets to he gets to combine the the managerial side of being a, a a senior police officer along with he's still got boots on the ground um it's that wonderful fiction thing that would never happen in real life but i explain it away in each book um and certainly in the first books they've got heads a few times grayson's very political doesn't realize that he's a bit of a knobhead actually because he um he would he's desperate for the first few books to get one last promotion because then you get a finer a higher final salary pension uh, which is something that's long since gone now, but he was an old, he's old enough off officer that it would still apply. I did actually research this. Um, and so he spends a lot of time brown nosing with the boss 
with the, with the bosses down in Welling Garden City, where Hertfordshire Constabulary is based, and he um, he plays golf for them uh, and things like that. And initially, he did start off as a foil to Warren. And throughout the series, they butt heads over things where, where he disagrees with what Warren's done. But he does evolve. And actually, towards towards the end of the series, we, we start to realise he's, or um, well, recently, we, you know, him and Warren have, have developed a, a friendship of sorts and, and res- respect for each other. They're never going to they're never going to be the sort who go, you know, go down a pub each night for for a pint. But they've become a lot a lot warmer. So early Grayson. I would say, uh, wouldn't be that much fun necessarily when you go out. <laughs> um, a question that I stopped asking, but seems to get fun answers recently, is how you name your characters. <laughs> oh, I'm sure other people are given much more fun reasons than I. So I'm useless at it. I, I hate it. So the initial name of the characters is, um, is, is literally... Uh, Character trait underscore um, character trait, basically because um, I I name my characters typically towards the end of the book. Um, there's there's a few sometimes you hear a really good name you say that's perfect you just start using it immediately. Other ones, so for example in this book, the um, the initial murder takes place on New Year's Eve, and uh, there's witnesses uh, who, who come up later in the book, and there's two of them. There's a male and a female. And literally, uh, they were called NYE underscore man and NYE underscore woman. And that was what they were called right up until the sort of putting together the, the final draft. Um, and, then I, and then I had to go and actually figure out what, how I was going to call them. So there is a character in this book, I'm not going to say which one, um, who, was, who won a competition. So that was fun, use them. Always slightly nerve-wracking because... You've got to figure out what your strategy is going to be. If, the, for example, um, I've already got a significant character with a very similar name, in which case, because it's for charity, um, you think, how am I going to honour this? Um, I suppose I could slip in a, a, a brother or sister, possibly, but it would be shoehorning. So then I suppose I'd, I'd have to go and say, look, can't necessarily use your name. Is there any chance you can you can donate it to a, to a friend as a, as a, as a present? Um so there's that person. The rest of them, well, I've had to stop using my bookcase because I've run out of names on my bookcase. So I was literally for, for, used to just look at my bookcase and choose choose somebody's first, an author's first name and an author's final name and say, that'll do. Um, but um, more recently, uh, Scrivener, software package that a lot of writers use for writing, um, has name lists built in and it will automatically um, give you a list of, of names. And again, I, I don't just take them. I, I read through them. It gives you inspiration. Uh, I've had colleagues, uh, former colleagues. There's a former colleague, actually, who appears in one of my books, who um, he was a, he's a physics teacher. And he um, he was formerly in the Royal, Royal Navy. And he's actually, his degree is actually in meteorology. Um, and then he, he left the Royal, Royal Navy and he trained up as a science teacher. So obviously, if his degree is in meteorology, we're going to call him a geography teacher, aren't we? Because frankly, that's what it is. So we used to give him packs of crayons because we figured if he's a geography teacher, we'd be good at colouring in. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, we just wound him up by that all the time. So naturally, when I set a book in a school and I had to have a character who was a was a teacher, and I thought, well, the teacher's going to be a geography teacher, and I'm going to give him his name. 
So yeah, um, so former colleagues appear. Um, my my ongoing um, crime scene manager, Andy Harrison, named after a good friend at, at school. Um, and it was quite funny. It took a few years for him to get around to reading the books. And so he never quite figured out why everyone thought it was hilarious that I called this character after him. Well, if you knew the real life Andy, Andy is whip thin, bold, um, and full of nervous energy. My Andy Harrison in the books is a short, fat, rotund Yorkshireman with a ponytail <laughs> and a really laconic hair. Um, so basically took every character trait of the real life Andy and, and flipped it. Um, and it wasn't until he, he actually, he, he left school, he, he went to do something different and uh, we bought him a Kindle. And so the first thing he did, he said, I suppose I want to read one of Paul's books. And he just texted him, a ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was really good fun. That was really good fun. Um, so out of so, all of the character traits, it was the ponytail that really irritated him. <laughs> yes, I think I think it was jealousy. I, if I'm absolutely honest, it was jealousy. <laughs> He's got a twin brother, and his twin brother's got a full head of hair, apparently. I don't know how this works genetically, and we're both geneticists. We've never figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, yeah, genetics is crazy. Who the hell knows? <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah. I've, oh, this I've is been... alcohol-free children, just want to point that out. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, yes. Yeah, I've been <laughs> named in a few books. And, oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm starting to wonder what the hell my reputation is. <laughs> um, the first book, I was a sex mad politician who took a few young boys to my hotel room. Um, Fantastic. Then the next book, I was selling myself for sex to pay off debts. <laughs> so, but luckily, the third book, I'm a police officer, <laughs> so that's fine. Happily married. But what the hell? <laughs> I, to be fair, I've, I, I have you know, and I've used the names of colleagues and stuff, um, or or, or people have won characters. I, I have got a rule that I don't, I don't give them the the, the really unpleasant character. Uh, I'm quite careful about that. So, for example, if I've got, I don't know, I've had a sex offender or something in a book, I would never use a real life person because whilst we could all have a laugh about it and they'll have a laugh about it initially i just feel uncomfortable about um linking a real person to to this this really unpleasant fictional person um so yes i mean i will have fun with people but um yeah this is it's a bit much um yeah i noticed um we were talking about mike craven and craven's latest the, the botanist which before it came on and i noticed a few familiar names cropping up in there um particularly a surgeon uh which made me laughing so um so yeah that, they're good friends um yeah. and uh yeah i mean you know if anyone's not read by the way the, the botanist or any of my uh, mw craven's um washington poe and tilly series seriously do yourself a favor they are absolutely brilliant aren't they really yeah. really good I mean, well, Tilly easily is one of the best characters in fiction yeah. by an absolute mile. Like, she's just, just tremendous, just perfect in yeah. every way, just brilliant. And the scene in the is it the press conference with Tilly? Um, which bit I'm talking about that I was absolutely, I was crying, laughing because oh, was, I, 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 well, I mean that that could be one of several. Uh, yeah, scenes. there were a it's few, but I think written. that one was was the best. Yeah. He was talking and she was saying he's here um, mm. or something, or no, the, the um, whatever her name is, was saying he's here. She was talking about something. Yeah, anyway. 
it was oh yeah yeah i mean it, yeah she, she's just superb and and what's wonderful is that they're a fantastic balanced couple washington poe the grumpy middle-aged um male Quite detective and, <laughs> and then you've got this wonderfully naive um young woman who's just completely you know, absolute genius off the scale and has so limited social skills and they put the two together and that combination just is just magic um it's and she brilliant. has no filter at all. No, no. She gets better, but Mike. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to give anything away because I, I interviewed him um, a couple of weeks back, and the interview is going to go from Shots Mac. But he, I sort of said what I, I, we talked a little bit about his um, about the character arcs, and I said, you know, how much depends. And he, he said, I've got a few ideas, and there's a couple he suggested. I just thought, oh, that would be worth the cover price alone <laughs> if you do that with her. So, um, yes, there should be some fun stuff uh, in future books. Um, so, yeah, if people have not read him, M.W. Craven, absolutely brilliant. Start with the puppet show because that's the first in the series that Washington, Poe, and Tilly Bradshaw meet for the first time. And that's the, the start of their friendship. And I think that is brilliant because if you, all the books are brilliant and you could read them in any order, but it's just lovely if you see it at the genesis of that friendship and then you can watch it evolve over the next few few books and short stories. There's two or three short stories knocking around. I just read uh, one, um, I think it's called because killing season it was one of these easy reads good, you know yeah 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 with the reading That's, agency yeah and it's brilliant um the, the reading agency if people don't know is, is a charity that is aimed towards promoting literacy in in adults in particular uh it's been very popular for example with prisoners because uh, an awful lot of people who end up in prison have very limited literacy skills whatsoever but they want a good story like anybody else and, you know, if we can get in them a love, a love of reading and writing and it improves their skills, then perhaps that's, that's something that will help them in their life. But it goes beyond that. They're very cheap. They're a pound, uh, little thin paperbacks. The language is brought down to make it more accessible, but it doesn't matter because it's still a Tilly and, um, and Poe book. And... Um, you know, you still laugh out loud. Everything is there. I'm, I'm really impressed, actually, by the way that he's taken that brief. And I know Vazim Khan's done one. And there's quite a few big name authors have, have, have written these short stories, and um, they're just uh, they've managed to somehow capture the the essence of the of the of the of their series, even though they they've made the it made it more accessible. And it's definitely not the poor relation of of these other books. It's just superb. So, uh, yes, do yourself a favour, people. And uh, Mike definitely has your point now. Uh, I haven't seen him for three years. Last time I saw him was at Crime Fest. He and uh, myself and Vazim Khan had a spirited debate over Star Wars. And Mike and I are basically on the same page. Um, Vazim being Vazim was deliberately contrary. And it was very good fun. <laughs> yeah, so, I, uh, I love Vazim. He's great as well. Oh, he's good fun. He's yeah, amazing, lots of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he told me off when I spoke to him. <laughs> Bless him. Yeah. <laughs> I always get told off actually. Like yeah, well, there you go then. Yeah. You go to Harrogate? I am. Ah, oh, superb. I'll actually see you in person, which would be lovely. Yay. Yeah. I'm going to most of them, which is why I'm very poor. Yes. Yeah, it does mount up, very, doesn't it? Very poor. <laughs> yeah. I went to I went to Crime's Best, which was back on again this year. Um 
back in at the beginning of May. And uh, that was absolutely terrific because we hadn't, you know, we hadn't seen people for, for so long. Um, it was just lovely to sit there and make new friends. Spent an evening sitting chatting with Andrew Grant, who is, of course, the younger brother of Lee Child and has taken on the Jack Reacher series. And Lee Child, if you've ever met him, he's a lovely man. He really is. But he does have a little bit of an air of being a superstar around him. Um, so you do feel a bit tongue-tied when you first meet him. Andrew hasn't quite got that yet. And he's a very, very pleasant man to spend an evening just chatting with. He really is a lovely guy. So, yeah, it's um, interesting. Um, I'm really friendly with Hobbit Books, and they right. interviewed him for their podcast, which mm. I listened to this morning when I was making sandwiches at work. And I thought, what a lovely man. He is. Yeah. Absolutely. Just by him yeah. you know, chatting to them, I thought, what a really, really mm. nice guy. You know, he wasn't phased by their questions or their no. craziness, which they are a little bit off the wall. Um, and yeah, mm. didn't just went over his head, and he just chatted away like he'd known them. Yeah. Really, and I thought, yeah, I like you. You're mm. you're cool. Yeah, Lee, Lee's very pleasant. I mean, I'm, I'm the first couple of times I met him, I was very sort of um, awestruck because he's my favourite writer, and uh, you know, tongue tied. And um, I, I persuaded him to do a to do a um, to do a selfie and to troll my my pregnant sister at the time because uh, by by um, basically hoping that her child was brought up as a villa fan. Uh, now, anyone who knows the background that Lee, Lee, or Jim, as we all know, he came from Coventry, but was brought up in Birmingham. And Coventry City fans and Aston Villa fans historically have a have a massive rival. And um, he's a he's a Villa fan, which to someone like my sister who died in the war, Coventry City fan is is horrendous. Somebody born in Coventry who supports Villa, you know, she just so it was fun to get into troller. Well, that was great. And then, um, but then later in the evening at Crime Fest, the old, the old venue for Crime Fest, the very nice outdoor area where you could just sit and chat. And I was sitting with a few, I think Kevin Wignall was there and a couple of others just shooting the breeze. And he came out and we were just, oh, I'll pull up a chair, Lee. Pull up a chair, sat down. And uh, yeah, and he, he suddenly he wasn't Lee the superstar anymore. He was, he was Lee chatting with a group of, group of fellow writers uh, mostly about um, the place he lives in in Wyoming. You know, it's just really genuinely pleasant conversation because he was kind of away from having to be Lee Child, the character. If you've ever read the, the biography by Heather Martin, which is superb, the Reacher guy, there is a there is Jim Grant, the, the, the person, then there's Lee Child, the persona, uh, and the two are not necessarily <laughs> entirely related. Um, and although we, we called him Lee because that's how he's known to everyone, um, you know, we, I think we were talking to Jim Grant for a bit, which was nice. It was really nice. Yeah. Um, Andrew's and Andrew's the same. Andrew's really, really uh, nice bloke. Yeah. Um, I think Lee follows me on Twitter, which is. <laughs> I'm never quite sure whether it's him or his. Um, the people yeah. who manage the account, but after after he didn't, he announced his retirement, obviously. And there was an interview with Heather Martin, which I watched, which was very very good. And I went online and spoke to Heather. And she follows me now because I reviewed her book eventually. And um, I asked if he if he that was it. If we completely stop him, was he would he ever be tempted to write the odd short story just to keep his hand in? And the response came back that quickly that I thought, yeah, I think this might actually be him responding. And, and the, with the time difference, it made perfect sense that he'd be 
sort of online at that time. Um, and uh, and the, the bad news was, no, he's pretty adamant. That's it. He's not going to write short stories. Mm-hmm. I imagine he's got something to do with the Jack Ridge TV series. Um, I know he's up there as an executive producer. I wouldn't be surprised because his previous work he has done, he has anonymously edited scripts and stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if he just keeps it quiet, but has a bit of a hand in doing some of the scripts because that's what he used to do. But no, he is retired, um, yeah. which is a shame. Um, but then um, Andrew, I think, is he's going to find his his uh, his own uh, pace and... Uh, I think the the the, the series will, uh, will 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 evolve more, but it has to evolve because it's twenty five years old now, and uh, yeah. you know, like in the latest one, Reacher used a mobile phone. Um, I mean, it's twenty twenty two. He has to be able to use a mobile phone. We just can't. Yeah. 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 He has to move on slightly. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'm glad that it's actually Lee Child that follows me then, because he's commented a few times. <laughs> Yeah, it's my little little sort of fangirl moment. I have a few yeah. occasionally because I'm still like nothing, <laughs> really. Yeah. I'm like still at the bottom. Um, so yeah, like when um, Sir Ian Rankin, as he is now, yes. passed me at Harrogate and says good morning, I'm just like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, isn't that brilliant? Um, yeah, well deserved. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, no, he's another lovely one. He's another yeah. lovely guy. Have you seen the, the shortlist for the the um, Thixton's Old Peculiar Award this year? I have. Yeah, I mean, what's fascinating about that, and I, I agreed immediately, was Steve Mosby said this. He said, you look at all six of those people, and the first thing people often say when they say, oh, do you know Mick Heron? Do you know Ellie Griffiths? Do you know? The first thing they say, oh, yes, Len, aren't they lovely? And they were. There are six really nice, genuinely nice people who it's pleasant to spend time with. And obviously, like you said, it's about the books. It, it is about the books. But isn't it lovely that six very nice human beings happen to be the ones who've also written the books these year, this year that have been shortlisted? And it's, yeah. you know, um, there, there are often people who can be a bit gripey sometimes about who wins and a bit sniffy. And you look at this and you think, well, do you know what? People aren't going to be. Maybe these, um, not if not if they're they're real uh, crime fans and fans of the uh, of the genre and know these people. No matter who wins, everyone's going to say, "Oh, lovely, that's nice." I'm really pleased they've won. So, um, and you yeah, know that the other so five nice. are going to be happy for them as well, which is well, going to yes, be really lovely, isn't be. it? Yeah, I yeah, think they're, they're, so. they'll be very supportive of each other. So, yeah, lovely, lovely to see that. Um, yeah. Maybe that's what we should be doing um, in for. Um, you know, because the way that these prizes are evolving, we know obviously it's a big push to try and improve diversity, which is really need. You know, that's something that's really got to be tackled um, on all, all fronts. But also, sometimes having seen how certain certain authors, not so much in crime, but in other fiction, uh, other genres, have acted, prizes, maybe there should also be a criteria that they have to be nice. <laughs> they get put out to a panel of people say, "Are they really nice? Do you like them?" No, they're not. Oh, okay, right then. Uh, maybe we won't put on shortlist. <laughs> <laughs> you only get the shortlist if you're a genuinely nice human being. See, that's the funny thing, actually, you say that. It's like, you know, sometimes if I see things and I only know one author or I really like, you know, someone, whereas the shortlist this year, I like them all. So I mm. generally voted for my favourite book instead of voting for the yes. person that wrote it. You know, I actually um, voted for the book that I thought was best out of all of them. 
and occasionally yeah, yeah. for us us mere mortals who, who can't mm-hmm. keep up your rate your your uh, reading pace uh we often vote for the you know for the um the one book that on, on the six that we've read and um the fact that that you know you might not have read all six yet but you've read others in the series and you like them you think they're good right that makes that's that makes uh, voting for something a bit easier. Haven't decided who my vote's going to yet. I haven't, uh, haven't, haven't uh, decided. So uh, you know, mine was easy. Mine. Well, I haven't you... said that. Do we vote for this one? I might, I might be talking nonsense here. No, you do. Yeah, you can. You can. Right. Voted, okay. So, yeah, right. you can. Okay. Yeah, mine was easy. I read my it. My vote is not for sale. Four hours. The book my... I voted for. So brilliant. Yeah. My vote is not for sale. Just want to make that absolutely clear. I am unimpeachable. Yeah, I wondered. I wonder whether it's going to get to a point where people are going to start trying to bribe me. But no, <laughs> no, no, it's not worth not it, yet. is it? Really? No, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still mostly known by indie authors. I'm still not that known by the big authors. So, I'm not well, that's what Harrogate's so. for. That's what I yeah. love about Harrogate. Actually, is uh, who just randomly come up and talk to you. The only, the only slight, and it's not, it's not a criticism. That's the wrong word to use. The only slight drawback is that unlike Crime Fest, where everyone has a name badge on. Harrogate, you don't. Um, and so you do have to do that whole British thing about, I know your face, I've spoken to you, and I cannot remember your name. So you're desperately trying to look for a clue. There's one There's one person I've seen every year for years, and I always forget their name. And, I mean, he and I have sat outside and chatted for hours, and it's just it's embarrassing. <laughs> um, whereas at Crime Fest, it's great, you've got a badge on. Uh, the crime yeah, actually this year they printed the badges the, the names were a bit too small so people were turn up so down write bigger letters <laughs> so. yes because i do this mm-hmm. my friend was like oh you'll know everybody and i must be joking mm. like, I've, I'm getting towards 300 interviews now and yeah. you know, some people are in america and some people i've interviewed three or four times and stuff but you know <sighs> yeah <laughs> I I have taken to and I do this I've been doing this for years and that is I go up to someone who I know and if it's not someone I, know, I mean I might not know very well um, or I might know them extremely well. if I know extremely well like Vazim I've known for years and he's never going to you know forget who I am but I will automatically I'll stick my hand out and say hi Paul Gitcher good to see you because I know that a they will reflexively um probably give me their name but also even if i know their name i know it's entirely possible that they've forgotten who i am particularly after this massive hiatus we've had with covid um do you know um so do them a favor i just give them my name I and mean, no one's going to say go, go take the hump because i because i introduced myself using my name but they might be secretly grateful and there are i know of at least one author who um has a is it I could have pronounced it propognosia, whatever it is, where a face yeah, blindness. Yeah, can't recognise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and and obviously there are and there are also there are authors out there who you might not realise are actually visually impaired and they you know don't carry white sticks. So you don't realise that. So I think I've got to the point now where I think it's actually just good manners if I just stick my hand out and say my name, um, spares anybody embarrassment, and we we go from there. And uh, who knows? Maybe they'll remember me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I say it's unlikely that people aren't going to recognise me because generally I have bright pink hair. So if you don't know who I am, then then you just don't know me and that's fine. Why do you think I was sitting in the house with my head head (laughs) sweating underneath his hat? Yes, Uh, I I usually I usually have uh, braces on as well. 
but I'm wearing uh, shorts at the moment and the braces I can't put on to them. So, uh, but uh, bra- braces and a hat. Uh, and someone actually said to me at Crime Fest when I mentioned it, and they said, well, it actually is a memorable look. Um, you remember Paul Gitch, who's he? Oh, he's the one with the hat and the braces. Well, you know what? So what? That's great. That's a, that's a visual reference um, that helps people. Yeah. Yeah, I did get recognised at Harrogate last year. Um, and he's just, the guy was just a reader, I think, and I had no idea who he was. I know now, mm. <laughs> but yeah. it's like, you're Donna, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. Like you do the yeah. interviews, don't you? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I I am I embarrass myself big time at Grime Fest when um I happen to be uh, I've gone to a, one of the the sort of evening parties and been invited. It was a book launch. A friend was having a book launch, so we got invited, just a few of us to go and have a drink in a bar and great, it's lovely. And there's a few people there I knew and a few I didn't. And this one guy I spent ages sort of doing that kind of hanging around, you know, you want to speak to someone who's by eventually went over and told him how much I loved his latest book, and his response was eventually, without looking at me, he said, "Sorry, who do you think I actually am?" <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. It turns out he's a, he's a, he's a big name. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a big name executive at my publisher, which is good. Um, so I completely, uh, completely mixed him up Ouch. with with a with a crime writer. <laughs> However, the good thing was he thought it was hilarious. So I did other people around there. And we spent 10 minutes chatting about um, about uh, times we've done something similar in public. He's, he's done it before and that, and uh, we parted on very good terms. But uh, yes, it was a, a brief swallow me up moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and looking back on it, whilst facially very similar, I think, hang on a second. This the person I thought it was was famed for something else physical about them. So I'm being notice how careful I'm being here, uh, physical about them. And it's like, no, he doesn't. Why did I think that? I just looked at the face and went, oh, that looks a bit like him. And off I went. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it is hard, isn't it? We said that mm. we're going to take a notebook and have photos and names, but then yeah. We'll- your author photos generally don't look like you no. because obviously you want to look, you know, and stuff. No. So that's not really going to help. Or well, you just took them many years ago. Um, yeah. the, other, the other one, yeah. So, yeah, we're just going to have to wing it. I mean, you know, I saw Simon Koenig and I recognised mm. his face and I wasn't expecting him to be there, I guess. Um, but yeah. he was with um, Chris Whitaker and I wanted to speak right. to Chris. And then um, I think he must have said something I'm like, ah, oh, and I'm like, I love your books. And I'm still trying to get him for an interview anyway. But yeah, just didn't click, even though I knew his mm. face. So annoying. But yeah. Yeah, Simon's, Simon's a good fun, actually, isn't he? He's, he's a great guy. Very um, tall. <laughs> and uh, he is, he is, he is a tall bloke. Um, I was telling I'd... him off. <laughs> I'd been really shy all weekend for some reason. You know, I mean, I've done loads of these now and it's fine. But last Harrogate, I was really shy and wouldn't go up to anyone. And um, but Chris, I would have been trying to get for an interview for ages because mm. obviously he was reading everything. Yeah. Um, so it was quite hard. I've to just get started reading it finally. Um, oh, it's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. You can we see begin at the end. Yeah. Superb. And then Simon was laughing because I was telling Chris off. And I'm like, well, actually, I've been messaging you trying to get you for an interview. And I was pointing him and he was like, oh, okay. No, it'd be good interview. What are you doing? And I'm like, looking at him like this because it's so freaking tall. <laughs> Have you ever interviewed Kevin Wignall? No. Kevin's Kevin's good fun actually. He's got a great sense of humour, um, and he's very 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 sharp, very witty. Uh, but he's interesting because he's uh, he writes he's written some very good thrillers, I and mean, I really enjoyed them. 
Um, but he's also started branching out into young adults. Um, and this is it is a very bizarre situation where he's got this fantastic book about um, uh, a plane crash with teenagers on board in the jungle. And all over the world, people it's been sold and people are saying how good it is. It's been translated. Can you get a publisher in this country? Just like, what? Absolutely bonkers. Yeah. I mean, it's been part of the school curriculum in some places. At least I haven't got one. I don't know if that's changed since I last spoke about it, but just like, that's ridiculous. But yeah, Ke- Kevin's Kevin's good. He's worth speaking to. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a few. Uh, I've, Chris, I've, I've sort of met, Chris Whitaker met at things. He's, he's uh, very witty. Um, yeah. And uh, very, gen- very, very good. And I've just started reading. We begin at the end, and um, I mean, it's not what I was expecting in terms of the, the the use of language. Very, very sophisticated literary use of language, really. Um, and uh, I can see why people are raving about it. I mean, I'm, I'm about eighty pages in, so that's that, you know the, the real mystery hasn't started to get explained. But there's an an awful lot of intrigue at the moment and the, the the characters that I've met so far have really grabbed me. Um, and I can see just from that early start, yeah, that's why it was so popular. Yeah. Yeah. Or just read Will Dean's latest as well. Oh yeah. Firstborn. Yeah. That was, that was good. That was lots of twists on that one. You get to sort of just after halfway and then he just Yes. 53%. Yes. 53%. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I, I just went, whoa! And uh, Charles, my wife's like, what? Was like, that was a twist. I did not see you coming. Ah, wow. Wow. I was like, that's brilliant. <laughs> I thought, so how wonderful it was for about 30 seconds before I could go back to carry on reading it. Um, yeah. Very good. And it wasn't the only twist. There was a couple of others no. that snuck up on you as well. Um, yeah, it was really funny because I interviewed him before I'd read it. Mm. Um, so he said, oh, everyone keeps messaging me saying, what the fuck? And I'm yeah. like, okay. So then I got to that point and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the yeah. hell was that? Superb. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah. And so different to his previous one because his previous standalone, um, The Last Thing to Burn, that was really good, but completely different to this. And that, obviously that's been shortlisted for everything, including the, the Thigston, and rightly so. Um but prior to that, I'd read his uh, Tuva Moodison uh, books. Now, I've not read Bad Apple, the latest one, for the sole reason that there are a number of books I keep back as little treats. So I, I exercise some self-control and say, I'm not going to dive into that immediately. I'm going to put that on one side and I'm going to savour that. Um, so he's on the, the savour list uh, for Bad Apples. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, there's a couple of others like that um eddie flynn books by steve kavanagh they 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 they, they might they might I might force myself to hold them back for a few weeks before i go and treat myself um and i was doing that i must admit with uh with mike craven's um books but um i've got well i've got yeah i got, I got the i got the opportunity to to get a, a, an earlier copy of the the botanist I was not going to turn that down, I can tell you. So it's literally a case of finishing the book I was on and going straight in. And the book I was on was Victoria Selman's latest, um, Truly Deeply Darkly. That's brilliant. I, I, I mean, I, I shoved that one straight in my recommended reads blog because I, I have a my recommended reads blog. Um, it's not everything I read, uh, 
There's no star ratings or anything like that. It is literally, if I've really enjoyed a book and I think everyone else should be reading it, I put my review on there. So all my reviews on there are remarkably positive and not quite often gushing. But the point is, it's because it's recommended reads. It really is what it says on the tin. So I don't put anything on there just because, you know, it's the latest. Everyone says you should read this. And I read it and I think, oh, it was all right. Nah, I won't bother putting that on there. Um, I'd sort of save it for, for the other ones. By the way, there, there are also other books that I've read, haven't had time to review, and it's just been long enough that, I, I, I can't review them now because I'll feel I'll, I won't feel I'll do it justice. So the fact that somebody's book isn't on there doesn't necessarily mean I didn't enjoy it. It just means that uh, I just didn't have time to review it um, amongst everything else that I do. So um, if you read um, yeah. Graham Hartlett's book, not yet. I, I asked if I could um, for, to review it for crime uh, for uh, Shots Mag, but uh, unfortunately, um, somebody else just picked me to the post. So I shall, uh, I shall definitely be reading it though, because he's he's really nice guy. Um, and he does, he uh, yeah, just and one very of the nicest humans possible. Yeah, really is super, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't expect that for such a senior police officer who doesn't see. You think you think there'd be a? I mean, I don't know. Maybe when he goes home, there's a, a hard nosed cynicism, but I, I don't get that impression. <laughs> no, well, he put a message. He was going away somewhere doing something, and about how uh, much he loved his wife and stuff. So he can't be. Mm. Like oh yeah, and can't. he's very proud of his son who's just joined yeah. the police. Yeah, yeah. He's always and he's going always goes to watch his son because he's got triplets, hasn't he? So he always goes to mm. watch one when they're refereeing like really low level games and yeah. stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah he's very just, supportive. Isn't that? Yeah. yeah, some people oh, make you sick, don't they? <laughs> yeah, because that's you. That was what spot. To be fair, what I said about. Uh, and uh, Mike Craven's botanist. I said, if he wasn't such a nice bloke, I'd hate him because his book yeah. is abs- it's absolutely superb. I mean, it's just so, so good. It's just ticked all those boxes. I mean, on, on his books I need to read at some point are uh, his Avison Fluke series, which is the um, which was his first couple of fiction books before yeah. he, uh, he changed and, and switched to Washington uh, and Tilly. And I think, um, I think I want to, you know, I really want to read that. Just see him because uh, I'm, I'm told it has a lot. It is very much him writing. You, you, you know, he's got a lot of his hallmark writing, uh, but it's him at an earlier stage, um, which would just be really interesting to see intellectually. I think. Yeah, yeah. I've read one of them. I haven't read it, both of them, but yeah, I enjoyed it. And um, yeah. Graham Bartlett's uh, um, Harrogate, and he banned me from sitting in oh, the front good. row. He's on the panel. I hope he's, 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 I hope he's there this year. Yeah, he is. He's on a panel. Right. Um, I think I don't know if it's with Will Dean or Tony Kent. I can't remember one of them. And um, yeah, he told me that I wasn't allowed to sit in the front row. <laughs> I don't well, know why. Um, like, what does he think I'm going to do? Honestly, I'll I think I must have got a seat. ticket for it. I, I mean, if I, 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 I've lost track of what tickets we got. We were being so busy over the last few weeks um, that we've I kind of lost track. We we did our usual thing of of getting of sitting there waiting for the Harrogate thing to open. And learned the, the hard way that um, you don't open all your book, bookmark, all the pages you want with tickets because as soon as you bought one ticket, all of the other all of the other tabs go to the you bought a ticket page, and you lose. So I had to what I did was I bookmarked them all, and I was like it was like a factory. Bang, bought it. Bang, bought it. Cheryl's on the in in, in her office. Saying, yeah, I've got this one. Got this one. So between us, <laughs> working out what we've got, and we've got the um, we've got the. Uh, uh, author dinner which we love um i've won the well 
we've solved and kind of won the murder mystery two years in a row. Um, so last time um, we won it properly. We, uh, we were with Craig Robertson, again, another great writer, by the way. Um, yeah, yeah, he's lovely. We, he was our featured author. I already knew Craig, but it was nice to be on a table with him. Um, he was promoting the photographer at the time. We uh, we won that. We, we got the big bundle of books and that. The year before, Lee Child had written The Murder Mystery. So, of course, I mean, that was just like, oh, Lee Child's written it, then I'm definitely doing this. Um, and uh, at the end, he's sort of reading it out. And we're like, we've won. We've won it. We've got it. We've got it. Gets the end of it. Doesn't mention us. Turns out the dozy waiter that we gave our answer sheet to didn't hand it in. I was like, oh! of all the years to miss, uh, would be that it's the year that Lee Child has done it. So, as far as we're concerned, we've won it two years in a row, um, even if uh, it was never recognised the first time. Yeah, see, I was debating about them. I don't know if there's still tickets left, but and I wasn't sure if uh, Michael Holland Drake, Malcolm Holland Drake, was coming up. Um, because he mm. took me for a meal last time. So if he did, then I wouldn't be able to go to that. But right. it's coming the day before, so. Yeah, well, there's, there's two uh, this year. I think I think they did it last year because of the social distancing. This year, regardless of whether they're distancing, they've decided that it worked. The, 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 the demand is there. Um, and we knew which one we wanted because um, we, we looked at some of the people, authors on there, and thought, aha, right, okay. Um, but you, you never know which table you're going to be on. And uh, this is one person in particular whose table we'd love to be on, but um, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, it's just good fun. We just really enjoy it. Um, we've done a couple of ones you can buy online. We've done them. Um, we did them during lockdown um, to keep us entertained, and uh, they were good fun. Yeah. Yeah, I might have another look. Mm. Although I have no money because, yeah, just festivals. <laughs> It mounts up. It mounts up. Yeah. Yeah, especially because everything's up north. All authors live up north, and it's expensive to get up north when you live down south. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're yeah we're in Essex, so um, it is a bit of a bit of a trek. I mean, it wasn't too bad to get over to Crime Fest in Bristol. It's a bit of a drive, but it I got there. Um, and we will because there's two of us, which is which is the crazy thing about this this country is that it is cheaper for me to drive, you know. 200 odd miles to Harrogate um, than it is to catch the train um, because there's two of us and this is really bad but because I because it is it's it's deductible for me because obviously I'm an author it's part of my job um, you know I'm even with the with the petrol price at the moment it's very cheap because it's tax deductible and which is a, a crazy system and, I, and but I've never been able to figure out how you can fix it um because you See, on, on the other side because i'm on my own always mm. i'm on my own i travel on my own it's cheaper for me to get the train yeah and fill yeah. my car up with petrol especially with the prices now i went to yeah. Wigan this weekend just gone and it would have cost me probably a hundred pounds to uh, fill my car up then i'd have had to fill it up a hundred pound when i got home or 80 pounds for the train so i got the train yeah oh yeah i can read on the train and not you know it was much e- well, it was easier on the way there, on the way home. Yeah, trains were cancelled and there were strikes and it was hell. But whatever. Oh yeah, <laughs> we we tried to come back from Florence on Friday. Uh, that was fun. Thank you, British Airways. They cancelled our return flight um, and just didn't speak to us. There was nobody. This is seven o'clock in the evening in Florence Airport, and we were told that all airline staff had gone home for the evening. All. 
I said, hang on a second, you just cancelled a load of flights. And there's a load of, and the woman's like, well, hang on, that's not me, that's that's the airlines. And apparently there was a customer, customer service rep, and this woman was talking to her, trying to work out how they were going to, what, what, what do we do? You've just cancelled our flights. What's the next step for us? And she just suddenly got up and said, I'm done for the day and just walked off. <laughs> oh. So, yes, that was fun. Uh, so then, uh, yeah, so British Airways, um, we've got fruit on the phone. Absolutely shocking. And I'm going to make sure this is archived on YouTube. The most appalling customer service either uh, ever. Just weren't interested. We explained, they said, oh, we can get you back on Monday. It's Friday. No. And it's not good enough. I said, book us into another airline, because by law, they have to. Can't do that. No, by law, you have to. Can't do that. No, legally, you have to. <laughs> Can't do it. And it was like, so I ended up having to do it ourselves yeah. online. It was just a nightmare. Um, yeah. And then then Lufthansa the next day. They were fantastic in the sense that we missed the connecting flight from Munich, but um, I queued. And there was a very long queue for us to try and get onto a flight. We noticed there was one later that evening. I sort of thought, I don't know if we're going to get on this one. So I went for a wonder and I found, you know, the executive lounge where the, I thought, I'll go in there. I don't care. I walked in and just walked up to the desk and explained. And the guy said, hang on a second. He said, um, have you not got, he said, what do you mean? He said, you, you must already be booked on. I said, what do you mean I'm already booked on? He said, check your email. Looked on it and just said, you've missed your flight. So we booked you onto this flight. I didn't even ask. Now, we were on standby, and this is a bit of a hairy moment, but would we get on, would we get off? Um, but <laughs> there you go, automatic. You don't even ask. They just they just look at it and say, well, obviously he's going to want the next flight, so let's just book him on there. <laughs> yeah, listen carefully, British Airways. That's how it works. So, yeah, that was fun. Oh, yeah, and then there was the, the tube and the, and the rail strikes when we got back to London. So that was amazing. <laughs> Yeah, Yay, I, public I mean, I was in Wigan and I'm on my own and I've got to get to Bedfordshire. So it's that's quite, quite, it's quite a trek. Quite long, but whatever, I wasn't phased. I knew I'd get home eventually. I know yeah. roughly where to go and stuff. But to be fair, the, the people at the train station in Wigan and then the next one along after a uh, bus replacement couldn't have been more helpful. No. So it's fair play to them. Then get to London and it's just like sheep and just yeah. shouting at you and stuff. And it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's our oh, Heathrow is <laughs> just hell on earth. We weren't even yeah. we we deliberately avoid Heathrow, but we had no choice. It was flying us in there, and we've got to get across London then to get back to Essex, and that was fun. But we ended up staying in Florence. We had to, we had to book a hotel, obviously. All of which BA you're supposed to pay us back for. So that'll be the next fight. But. um yeah, they put us up in this hotel. It's a chain, apparently, although there's none in the UK yet, called 25 Hours. And basically, it's the hotel's theme. We had no idea about this. It was just the only one we could find in Florence uh, at, with no notice. It's Dante's Inferno. So the place is bright red. As you walk down the corridor, there are skeletal hands and stuff. It looks like a, a really dodgy brothel. But I tell you what, it was awesome. I mean, this place was incredible. Um, and you go in, and, and the bathroom just has no doors. Welcome to hell. <laughs> I just took a video and just and just WhatsApped it to all our families, and you wouldn't. And they were like, "Oh my god, oh this is terrible." I'm like, "No, no, this is great. I go back." Um, but also really eco-friendly. They had loads of like they 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 provided you with bags for life for you to use while you're there. Uh, asked you, would you mind? 
giving them back. Um, the mini bar had a lot of stuff in. Was just said like just free help self. Um, you know, uh, just just amazing. Um, we loved it, and uh, I I would actually stay there if you know for um, voluntarily. But, uh, but yeah, absolutely nuts the whole thing. I mean, in the contrast of that to the hellhole that is Florence Airport when everybody's flights have been cancelled and it's thirty-two degrees. That that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, but I, I am probably going to kill someone from an airline. I've just trying to figure this out. <laughs> I was looking at my next target. Who who am I, who am I going to kill? And I'm going to kill. Um, definitely got to be somebody from an airline's going to be killed. And somebody from Brothers Wireless Printers. Because, <laughs> oh, my God, four years I've had that printer, no problems at all. Both of us lost connectivity, never got it back. I now have a, a network cable dangling across the the, um, the the hallway because it's the only way I can get it to print. And it's just like, why? Why are you doing this? You only do it when I need it. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, I think uh, a, a printer engineer strangled with a network cable would seem to be the most appropriate way of doing this. Uh, I totally join you. I fucking hate printers. Yeah. They are my yeah. absolute nemesis, absolute wankers. I, I worked it out. I've, I've owned a printer of some description. I worked out for, 27, for 27 years. So when I got my first ever computer, my dad gave me a second-hand inkjet printer to go with it uh, when I was at uni. And... Um, in 27 years, we've had gone from parallel cables to USB to wireless. None of them ever connect properly. 27 years. Okay. I mean, they can practically make you a cup of coffee and fly you to the moon with all these wonderful things. Oh, our new printer can do this. I just want one that connects. That, that'll do me. I'm, I'm just trying to print out a copy of my novel. All right. So... You know, tractor feed paper and courier. That'll do. I just want text that I can scribble on in red pen. I want all this other crap that comes with it. But no, it just won't connect, and it's just—it's driven me absolutely mad. And the other—the other, the other uh, printer we've got—we have another printer that's uh, much better for uh, for printing, um, doing arty, crafty stuff. Um, that's specifically what that was bought for, and um, that won't connect either. And it's just like I've lost both printers. Why? <laughs> What's really funny is when I put an angry tweet out, you know, and tag in at Brother UK, they give it a thumbs up. <laughs> no, have you read it? <laughs> give it a thumbs up. I'm not, I'm not praising you. Read it. <laughs> Quite the opposite. Yeah. So yeah, definitely killing off, killing off a, a printer executive, no question. And it'll be gruesome. It's going to be nasty, nasty. Yeah, because yeah, I know I that all that. the readers will be on my side. Oh, 100%, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can alienate readers, you know, by, by harming a dog. But I think if you were to murder an executive from either an airline or a printer, I think you've got no problems at all. I reckon if you were to take a puppy and put it in a BA uniform at the moment, you could get away <laughs> with being cool with it in a book. <laughs> I think you could just about anybody who took the kids away in half term or went away for a short break after half term would just be like, Meh, I know it's, I don't like seeing cruelty to animals, but it was wearing a BA uniform. I'm hearing the hate speech now. It's going to be a protective minority with so much trouble. So angry, that man. What's wrong with him? 
Everyone's going to avoid me at Harrogate. He's the angry man in the hat, isn't he? He's like... <laughs> See, I'm writing, I've done NaNoWriMo and I'm writing a yeah. book because I wanted to kill someone and I can't yeah. kill them in real life, so I have to kill them fictionally. It's great. And I do wonder what people are going to think yeah. <laughs> when they read it because I've tortured him a little bit. Quite a lot, yeah. actually, because he's a fucking knobhead and I would quite like to hurt him. Yeah. Um, but this so, is yeah. why writers are so nice in real life. Crime yeah. writers, crime writers are lovely. I mean, romance writers apparently hate each other. What well, I can tell, I went out with a load um, because my publisher had a load and uh, I just spent all night bitching about other writers. And I'm sitting there thinking, I really like the right writers. <laughs> I've, I've, since I've been in the business, I've learned there's one or two individuals who are apparently a bit shady, but the vast majority of them are just genuinely sweet people. And you think, yeah, it's because you it's because you get the opportunity to kill people. It's yin and yang, you see. If you're a crime writer <laughs> and you kill people nastily, then that's all the negativity out of your soul, and therefore it's what's left is positive. Whereas if you're a, a, a romance writer writing saccharine, lovely, sweet, everybody's happy, then that's the positivity out of your soul onto the paper, leaving only a shriveled lump of negativity, like a small prune. That's my theory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not sure if it would stand up to serious scrutiny, but uh, I think that works. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, it's interesting because the, the weekend of Crime Fest I was doing, I was involved in organising a signing event. Yeah, the Nottingham thing, which I would have gone to if it hadn't clashed. I remember as soon as they launched it, I said, ah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we had, like, multi-genres, and, yeah, there was, uh, yeah, (laughs) obviously I can't really say anything, but, yeah. Yeah, exactly, you've got the romance writers walking around in a big, basically a big circle so they can all stab each other in the back simultaneously. (laughs) You've got the crime writers in the great big huddle, and then you've got the sci-fi writers just... yeah. Which I'm so sorry. I apologise profusely to my crime writer, to my sci-fi writers' friends. And as a big fan of sci-fi, I know that's a terrible stereotype, but I'm too weak-willed not to make a joke about it. I, all I know is I was hugged to death by everybody. I've never been hugged so much in my life, and it was amazing. I loved it. <laughs> crime <laughs> Fest was technically my Crime Fest was technically my stag do, and but I'm wearing a mask, and it's because I'm under strict orders: do not bring anything back from Crime the Crime Fest. Um, you know, so looking at tweets, one or two people said, "Oh, I was just testing positive," and I'm thinking, "Didn't speak to them. Didn't that be all right?" <laughs> I would not be popular ten days before the wedding to uh, got COVID, but uh, yeah, yeah, there was there was a lot of hugging going on. I have to say, and fortunately, as a non-drinker, I'm very good at talking. You know, so, here comes the hug. Ooh, he's down, he's under. So. <laughs> Oh, I like hugs, so I was fine. I don't mind. I don't mind them too much, but I, I tend not to initiate them. Um, I'm not overly tactful, uh, tactile in that respect. Um, and uh, it's funny because obviously there's, there's been a big, these big serious issues with, with certain writers being a lot more tactile than is appropriate. Um, and I think you think, look, you think yeah, I, I, I don't initiate hugs uh, unless it's a very, very dear friend, um, which means that, prob- you know... <laughs> As a, as a, as as an added bonus and side effect of that, um, hopefully, uh, you know, don't uh, don't don't upset anyone. Um, yeah, yeah I, I totally forgot about that, and it, it's never yeah. crossed my mind because I guess my no. mind doesn't work that way. But yeah, I to guess. be fair, a lot of these writers are hugging people by pinching their asses, and I think that you know they're they're not quite making the the the, the, the difference between the two. That's that's the big thing. Yeah. So yeah, but, but yeah, yeah I've heard some someone... stories. 
yeah, yeah, I have as well. Well, rumours or mm. if someone done that to me, I'd slap them. So. Absolutely, it's a shame. And what well, it made me so angry. Actually, I was reading about this because I, I read a number of of then a, of, of female writers and uh, or readers who go to these things sort of shared stories that didn't name anyone but they shared stories when it happened and i was so angry because i looked at it and thought i've always associated these literary festivals with nothing but positivity we go there we have a great fun we talk about something we love we're meeting people and the thought that i come away having had a fantastic weekend and that kind of hollow feeling you get when it's finished and you're like, oh god if it just gone for another couple of days it would be wonderful and then I read about people who went there and didn't have that experience. And it just makes me so angry and quite upset as well. You know, I just think that's so unfair. Uh, yeah. This person has, this person has actually taken away from this festival unpleasant memories. And I think, oh, no, that's, yeah, yeah, really, really makes me angry. So, um, so I would hope that um, I, I can be trusted to, uh, to, to, to have a word with someone if necessary or, um, back you up if it needs to be but yeah yeah i'd probably hug you just to warn you oh that's fine people. don't worry about it don't worry like i said i don't just don't pinch me bum that's all it's all i ask it's all i ask is just leave me, 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 me i'm not that tomorrow. confident <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you know yeah it took <laughs> it took me enough to speak to people last year so hugging is you know yeah, <laughs> so going yeah. in for that now. <laughs> oh, I doubt. I, I, I'm no doubt. Um, I mean, I like to think I'm quite horrible, but um, no, no. There's a there's, there's a few people I've not seen for a few years. I am certain, uh, and I will not begrudge them if they come over to me and uh, and greet me in the in the time honored fest and um, time honored fashion. But uh, I wouldn't initiate it myself. That's what I would say. Yeah, just in case it's not received properly because not everyone wants to hug. So. Yeah. yeah. I've been promised quite a few drinks as well. So if everyone comes through and buys me all the drinks I've been promised, I'm just going to be fucking wasted. <laughs> well, the thing about Harrogate, Harrogate's great. I could take a fiver with me and uh, have change because I drink soda water and blackcurrant because they never have any decent alcohol-free beers. And what's really funny is by, by the end of the first night, the bar staff recognised me and just go, oh, no, don't, just don't worry about it. They can't be bothered to open till for £30. Pence. So they just, <laughs> I just drink, I guzzle so much of this. I mean, I'm sick of the sight of it, but especially in summer when you when you, it's hot and you're drinking more. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll come home with a, with a, you know, with, with three pounds, maybe five pound note uh, still there. Great. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't afford to buy anything but when I'm there. So hopefully people come through. Otherwise, I'm just going to. Yeah, exactly. You're going to be truck dehydrated in the corner. Yeah, literally. <laughs> She's waiting for someone to get her a drink. You promised her a drink. And look at that. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> she's dried out just like yeah like the dried chilies you get or I'm gonna know at least a hundred people or something or more so, just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if they do all come through it's either it's, it's, you're either going to be all dried out like a like a porcini mushroom in a bag you know or you're going to be basically having your stomach popped um it's going to be one of the two <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. There will be no middle ground whatsoever, <laughs> which is fine. Whatever. I'm going to enjoy it either way. Well, perhaps not if I'm a prune in the corner, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Go back to the hotel and drink the tap. Yeah. Water. So anyway, if you're desperate, soda water and black currant is what you want. That's, okay, that's noted. I love black currant as well. Black currant is my favourite. Yeah. Easy. Noted. Yeah. Cheaper <laughs> than coffee as well. Coffee is well expensive at Harrogate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but much cheaper. Yeah, I need coffee in the morning, and they never have decaf. No one ever has decaf. 
I've taken to now, we, we just routinely nick all decaf sachets at hotel rooms whenever we see them. Um, so some of them, you know, 2017 coffee doesn't taste much worse than 2021 coffee, I found, um, because obviously that was kind of some of those sachets. They were a couple of years old before the pandemic struck and I haven't been anywhere since. So they taste all right. Yeah. Well, when you need it. I mean, I think decaf is just the work of the devil and pointless, but you know, <laughs> each to their own. <laughs> I've just had a can of decaf Coke. I'm sitting here drinking a shandy of decaf, of, of alcohol-free beer. And uh, my my lovely wife has just handed me a decaf coffee. So, um, yeah, you, you'd love our house. I had a double espresso about 10 o'clock at night and slept absolutely fine. Wow. <laughs> Once upon a time, I probably could have done that, but uh, not not so much these days. No, I, I'd, I'd have really noticed that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Shaking hands yeah. and the, the palpitations would have given that away. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was the day that I travelled up to Wigan and I'd been oh, awake right. early, but even still, like, double espresso and I was still just like, <laughs> I think I slept about nine hours as well, even more wow. than that. So yeah, yeah. Try a double <laughs> my, my wife's just commented she's going to try a double espresso. Yeah, exactly. Before she goes to bed, it works. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah good idea. So we'll, we'll try. It's got, it's got to be worth a punt, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm weird though, um, and unique possibly. So I wouldn't recommend it necessarily. I've had three, I've had three black coffees today as well. But I have been up since like quarter to five, so. Ah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. That, that was one of the weird things, actually. I would go into the staff room uh, and I get to school at seven. So I've been up, so I've been up at you know, quarter to six, um, driven into work, going to the classroom at seven o'clock and uh, somebody hadn't got milk. And there'd just be a whole load of teachers just looking horrified that there's no milk in the fridge. And I'm, I'm there and like, well, I don't need caffeine first thing in the morning because I don't drink it so I'm absolutely fine I'm I'm no different to, to normal and then I was just like you sure you're a teacher and a writer <laughs> I walk into work I start at six and I walk in and just get past coffee just that no one even asked I just get past coffee and then I don't even have to ask and I get sent another one and then another one sometimes <laughs> thanks good work mate. Yeah. yeah absolutely yeah I used to be banned from having three because it may, used to make me go hyper, but now it doesn't. I'm just like, oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you're right now, yeah. Yeah. We seem to have um, slightly strayed off topic. We have. We have. <laughs> we can go back to talk about books if you want. Yeah. Well, I mean, what it's up like to you. Talk about? Well, one of the questions that I asked Mark that possibly he thought I was weird for asking was, mm-hmm. if you were a fictional killer, how would you kill your victims? Ooh, that's good. Yeah, that's not weird. Come on, Billingham, you'd be mad. You'd be worse than that, surely. Right. How would I kill people? I don't know if so, you were scared in general or just scared of me. Not yeah, it might sure. have been that. Yeah, that you were sort of giving him ideas. He was giving you ideas. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I mean, the question is, do you go for spectacular or do you go for something that doesn't even get noticed? And that's a tricky one. So for the spectacular, you've got to, you've got to get away with it. Or you make it look like it was a spectacular accident. Hmm. Fast moving trains are always good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm reckoning, you know, you've got to you find the blind spot on the train station where the CCTV doesn't cover it. Your person's there waiting. And of course, it's just 2022. So they're going to be staring gormously at their phone and have the faintest idea who's around. 
you go in with your coat on, but you've got one of those, you know, those coats you flip around, colour changes. One of those. Um, so you walk into the station with, shall we say, your red coat on. Out of sight of the cameras, you turn it to black, just in case you are seen. As you then walk across the platform, there in a dead zone, whoops, it's easy, give them a push in front of the train <laughs> as it comes out, walk back out of the station, flip back into the red, and all they've seen is somebody in red walking, and then you could make you could even run out in red because then people would just assume that you've just seen it and you're that horrified that you've run out of the of the station. Um, so in, yeah, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I think you do that. Keep make sure you don't look at the cameras. Um, yeah. Problem is, though, of course, there's the hidden cameras that you don't see, so everyone keeps the face away from the big overt camera, thus looking straight into the hidden camera. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you were doing that. They were doing that 25 years ago in the in the department store I used to work in. Um, <laughs> yeah. Used to have one of those big ones that looks like the head of a Dalek that moves around periodically, and we were like, and and it had their slits, so it would move around, and the slits not looking at you, so you think, I'm all right. And uh, I mentioned this to one of the security cards. He went, it's just a, that's just a, a basically a dustbin that turns around. He says, the camera's inside. He says, the camera's, the camera's never never change direction. They, they, they know ex- exactly where all the blind spots are. He said, but by, by moving that, he says, you see people just trying to pretend that they're not doing anything. Then the camera, <laughs> then that moves it. Right, okay, now and they, they shove it in the bag. And you're thinking, no, no, we've just got the whole thing on camera. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> see, Mark said that he would drown someone. But mm-hmm. he was going to drown husband or wife. I'm like, mm, yeah, but the first person they look at is your partner. So, you know, just just FYI, probably you need to kill a stranger. <laughs> and I think that might have been yeah. the first thing that freaked him out. The second thing possibly is when someone asked me that question, I said I'd stab someone 100 times. Mm. So, I mean. And I if it's a stranger, if it's a stranger, <laughs> the, all the psychologists go, oh, stab them 100 times. Passion hatred clearly has a terrible relationship somebody intimate somebody needs to be close looking for not just some weirdo that they met um yeah 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 plus um out of your race because generally people kill within their own race as well mm. so although apparently because i did a little bit of research um in fact you'll see in time to kill i have a um i have a criminal psychologist who people might recognize from telly it's a very fictionalized version of this person but they might realize who i'm See some of the in jokes there. Um, they um, they say how you know that these are these stereotypes that have been developed, um, and they're stereotypes because the a lot of the work came obviously out of the behavioral science unit, as you know, because you're, you're criminology, but that's you can only get it from the people who will talk to you. So the introverts who don't say anything, you don't get any data points from them. So it's that kind of, you know, oh, they're all they're all white middle-aged men. That's because white middle-aged men like to chat. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> I love all that. I absolutely yeah. love all the criminal psychology. I just think it's and yeah. the way that memory is so fallible and it's so mm. easy to manipulate. And oh, I love, I think it's I went to watch a talk um called the psychology of like, uh, serial killers some woman mm. um it was absolutely fascinating so so interesting yeah yeah i love it i think it's yeah <laughs> yeah anyway yeah. we strayed again <laughs> yes we have strayed we have strayed again yes um 
And the other question I like to ask on the back of that is if you were fictionally murdered, um, who would you want to solve your case? Ooh, right. Well, I reckon, I mean, Warren Jones, detail Warren Jones, he would get there. He would get there in the end with his team. I want that, you know, I reckon uh, they got a pretty successful batting average. So I definitely uh, want them on the team. Um, but who else would I? Washington Poe. Because I like the idea that, first of all, whoever killed me would be thoroughly humiliated by Tilly Bradshaw, who would show them up because she's an intellectual colossus. And then Washington would be really rude to them. Um, he would say something <laughs> entirely inappropriate to them that, you know, and I quite like that. You know, not only caught, but also captured captured by someone who's incredibly rude. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of any, because these days, we, well, actually, Jack Reacher would be good because the chances are the guy would get damn good kicking as well. See, this was my answer. That mm. was exactly my answer. Yeah. Whoever it was or along the way, they'd get beaten up as well, which is great because, Bonus. you know, yeah, they get chucked in jail and nothing happens or they get killed, whatever. But, you know, yeah. if Jack reaches on the case and he's going to, you know, give him a good kicking along the way, and it's great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What I really wanted, though, is somebody also who's incredibly <laughs> malicious. So this person kills me, for whatever reason, um, gets chucked in prison. I really want somebody to start a whisper campaign. They're a paedophile. Because we all know what happens to them in prison. So the justice system sticks them away for 25 years and then natural justice takes place. Yeah, that's really, I mean, that's really, really wrong. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, but, you know, I'm allowed to be vindictive. Someone's just murdered me. Yeah, You've well, seen how absolutely. lovable I am. There can't have possibly been any valid reason <laughs> for killing me. No. So, yeah, um, yeah, get what they deserve. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Yeah, I'm glad that it's not just me that's completely weird. And I love how every author, or almost every author, doesn't go, oh, I don't know, I've never thought about that. They're like, well, I will do this and I will do this. He <laughs> <laughs> no, no, crossed my mind. One guy just said he was going to walk on a cliff and just go, whoops. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah that's cool. As long as I you like don't that. hit him hard enough that you leave bruising, do yeah. the gloves on so you don't leave fingerprints. Make sure you get rid of those gloves. Keep it two pairs, obviously, because you want one pair that could have your DNA and a second pair on the outside won't have your DNA. Make sure you dispose them in two different bins. If they're latex gloves, you might be able to get away with burning them, but it's a bit smelly and attracts tension. But you don't want to you don't want the fiber transfer. Yeah, I think all those things could be done. Probably not, probably unlikely to be any CCTV cameras. Make sure there's no parked cars nearby because they might have a dash cam. Um but yeah, I reckon I reckon it's doable, and ideally make it so that, um, that it looks as though you've lost out from them dying. Yeah, because obviously yeah. there's you know the the genuine reasons as the normal you know and gaming mm. is one of them. So yeah, if you lose out, then yeah. Yeah, terrible that this person died. Look what look what position it's left me in. Yeah, that's tricky. Yeah. You've got to come up with something something really good then. Yeah, yeah. it might be that secretly, secretly you want to be a pauper and so they've died and you know you they, they, there's no you haven't got any life insurance or anything like that or you do the course the classic the classic strangers on train you kill each other's um victim with no link between you yeah 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 how do you meet up with them now i mean do you put something on craigslist Looking for looking for looking for partner to kill someone on my behalf. I'm willing to return the favour. 
you've got to do it by like either you know the columns um you mm. know looking for in newspapers yeah. and stuff but i guess the more modern version whatever that would be yeah because yeah. no one looks at them who reads them anyway no exactly exactly so then you could easily put secret messages yeah yeah blimey we've been going for an hour and a half have we jesus christ oh, yeah right okay we hardly, hardly mention books either but hey we did at the beginning we and i have i have busy plugged lots of other authors um which is absolutely fine um so uh yes so my plug yeah it's a, it's a time to kill is my one it's just out two weeks ago I do not, sadly, because paperbacks do not come out until August. So my author copies haven't arrived yet, um, which is a shame. I know. Um, you don't even but, have a uh, picture on your phone or anything? Uh, right. Picture I could well have. Um, well, I may have to be a little patient here while I find it. Um, we're not, not hugely organised at the moment because uh, we had a lot on our... our um, plates before we uh before the, the book was moved forward um and my editor sort of emailed me and said uh, says, well you know we're going to move forward um is that okay um they sort of batted around some ideas and uh, uh how about the first of uh first of of june i said well i'm getting married that day um perhaps <laughs> not the best day right okay this is annoying this is instagram so i've got to hold it because it won't let me Hold the pinch. Oh, my hands are annoying. Oh, Instagram, I hate you. Um, oh, there we go. That looks all right. Yay, there we go. Time to kill. There we go. Time to kill. Um, yes. So, um, yeah, that's out uh, on Kindle. Uh, audiobook, my long-standing audio narrator, Mark Williams, is currently um, recording it. He's already um sent me queries like how on earth do i pronounce this and um <laughs> i found a typo um so <laughs> it'll, it'll be like this for the next couple of weeks <laughs> but uh yeah it's great it's wonderful that he was able to do it again and hopefully because next year's book uh, i'm currently just doing the final edits before it goes off to the to uh, the publisher um for them to edit this is my my final draft um Hopefully he'll be able to do next year as well, which would be lovely, because then I've got all of the books done by the same guy. Um, yeah. Fabulous. So uh, before we go, would you just like to tell everyone where they can find out more about you? And apart from Amazon, yeah. where they can get your books from? Right. So my website, paulgitcham.com, P-A-U-L-G-I-T-S-H-A-M.com. I have two blogs. Uh, on that website there is the recommended reads blogs as i've said before it is literally only books that i recommend because i really enjoyed them um and then there is writing tips so if you are an aspiring writer or you're just interested in looking behind the curtain um i have a tuesday tip uh that is put on the blog every every week um everything from craft to some sometimes just my thoughts on on the on the, the writing industry um Which you, you can share follow in my me. group don't you i do now yes um so um, you can find me on Twitter at DCI Jones Writer and on Instagram at Paul Gitchum and DCI Jones on Facebook. Those, those, are my, those are my main social media channels. Won't bother looking for me on LinkedIn. Waste time. <laughs> well, right. fabulous. Thank you very much. <laughs> Lovely to speak to you as always, Donna. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in Harrogate. Yes, you too. Yes. Fantastic.